I have a feeling, you know, it's just a matter of time before my phone decides not to work anymore. It's tired of being dropped on the floor, being disrespected. So anyway, um, I sent that information to um, Lucas Alexander at Age of Truth. Hold on. Sorry, he couldn't see me. At Age of Truth, and um, because you know she has um, some really viable things, and he could help her get some stuff done. She needs help. I mean, everybody's just dumping everything on her, is the way I see it right now, and she needs help. So yesterday we were looking at some um, Bigfoot things, right? And I was telling you about the government and everything. Well, um, Wes and Bob Gimlin went out once uh, with a party of, you know, other guys to go hunting. And there's no doubt that they were Bigfoot hunting. And, um... I guess the local sheriff got wind of it, and um, he kind of, uh, he can't really do anything. The, shoot. Okay. I'm wondering why this is happening all the time. I, I noticed it was at a weird angle right before it fell. Oh gosh, all it would take is to hit that thing and that would break for sure. Now I'm getting a message. Stop dropping me. I need a new setup. Maybe when the new year comes around. I'll have a little bit of extra time I can spend on this because what's happened is a lot of the cords are mixed and um, it's pulling these things down. That's the truth of the matter. Let me just get this fixed. I did something wrong again. Yep, that, that'll do it. I can fix this again. I just need more room so it's not tugging at the phones. And then I'll tell you my story. I don't know if I'll be able to find it. I, you know, um, I got Wes's, the one that uh, killed me last time on, um, got a strike so I can't go to his site about the uh, the um, the guards that came to get them but I'll look and see if I can find something because I think there's probably something in there but um, what I wanted to play for you now is a Survivor Man foot 
at Bigfoot with Bob Gimlin and Les Stroud. Bob Gimlin, Gimlin is re renowned for his expertise in this field. Um, he's been around a long time. And while this is running, I'm going to look for that... Um, going to look for that one that I'm talking about. Here it is. Okay, so enjoy this because Mr. Gimlin is getting up there in age. He's one of the first ones that found Bigfoot in the first place. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to my YouTube channel, and uh, as you know I have the Bigfoot playlist, and on that playlist I've been able to uh, put in different cinematic works that I've presented on the subject matter, on the phenomenon of Bigfoot, but also I've been able to put in my uh, full length versions of the interviews that we conducted for the Survivor Man Bigfoot series, which by the way that will be coming on there at some point in the future as well. And the reason why these were the full-length versions of the interviews was simply because for the show itself, we did, you know, we, we could only put in so much, so we found our good sound bites and we, we dropped them into the, into the edit. Well, I've been sitting on this one. This is the full-length conversation, really, that I had with Bob Gimlin. And if you don't know that name, Bob is famous in the Bigfoot Sasquatch uh, arena. He was... Uh, part of the duo, him and another man, Roger Patterson, who are responsible for the very famous footage that you all know and love from pop culture of Bigfoot, that whole, which shows up everywhere. If you notice it, it actually showed up in uh, Thor Ragnarok, when Jeff Goldblum, and Goldblum as the, um, the Grand Master, he turns when he does one of those things, like, he's being Bigfoot, never mind, I digress. <laughs> You don't want to hear me talk. You want to hear Bob Gilman speak. This is my conversation, uh, and I'm warning ahead of time. There's a couple of cuss words in the end there, but this is my conversation that I Can't had uh, privately with with Bob Gimlin. Enjoy. Roger and I weren't real. We were good friends, but he lived a long ways away from me. So I didn't see Roger that often, and when uh, I got involved with the Bigfoot, I'm a, uh, Roger would stop by my place with plaster casts. And of course, anyway, he talked to me about it, and so I was busy, busy. I was working on my regular job, plus riding horses on the side, you know. And, and back up, you said when you got involved in the Bigfoot phenomenon, so you got involved in it before Roger? No, 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 Roger already had these casts, and he had testimonials on the little cassette tapes and stuff that he'd play when we'd go riding the hills. But Which, why did he come to you in the first place? Well, uh, we rodeoed together, and, um, and of course, I if I was right, going to take colts or young horses, I'll call them young horses, because I say colts, anything's a colt to me until I was five years old. But anyway, I'd go past Roger's place, he lived kind of up in the mountains, to ride up in the mountains on a reservation, and I'd stop visiting with him, because he, he had been really sick. And so see how he's doing. He'd say, well, Bob, let me throw my horse in, the, in that truck with you and go up and ride with you over the weekends, because all I have is weekends. 
so then around the campfires he played these little battery uh, this little battery powered cassette player and play these testimonials of different people well I didn't have time for that I wasn't that interested so then he says well Bob I'd like to get you Dr. Ivan Sanderson's book and let you read it during the off time I said yeah I'd like that so then I read Dr. Ivan Sanderson's book and there was a the Bigfoot thing in there and so I thought well you know these people can't all be wrong because I don't have time to deal with it but then what really happened at this particular time about the film footage uh, some people had called Roger and I say some people I'm not sure who it was from California at a little town called Bluff Creek and they said and Roger had been down there uh, some before I don't know who with or what because I didn't I wasn't that uh, close to him then. and he kind of had knew like uh, a guy named Sel McCoy that worked for the Forest Service and uh, a couple of other fellows there that, that was in that area plus he knew the guy at Al Hudson it was at the variety store there and so I would assume that this message came from the variety store or one of these people that they knew they they called him and said you know we're starting to build new logging roads back up in that part of the area and so we put a um, uh, uh, I thought they said a fuel tank and which would make sense to me to refuel the road graders and the, and the cats you know the, the big cats that they're pushing through there pushing the roads through there and they set it in there on a Friday afternoon uh, on Labor Day weekend. And uh, then when they come back on Tuesday morning, there were three different sets of tracks. I mean, three different sizes of sets of tracks all around this new tank that they put in there. And so they, uh, when I say they, uh, whoever called Roger told them the story about this. So Roger comes to me, said, Bob, can you take me to Northern California? Well, I don't know, Roger. I had the truck. You know, I had a one-ton horse van truck to haul horses in. And I said, well, I don't know, Roger. I'm working. I was hot roofing at that time. And uh, I said, well, let me go talk. And I had to cattle. I had horses. I said, i got to get somebody to take care of them. So this is like uh, probably Thursday after Labor Day weekend, and I went to work on and so by the time I got everything lined up to go, uh, it was the last of September. So that's what put us down there in October. So we either got there the last day of September or uh, first day of October, somewhere around that. I, you know, I couldn't remember. So those three weeks, approximately the three weeks, we rode through the mountains. Well, it had rained really, really hard up and down the west coast at that time and so uh, when we, and what I really wanted to see I had never seen a track in the dirt or anything I saw these plaster casts that Roger showed me so I would, I thought well yeah I'll take him on down there but I went and talked to my boss and I said hey you know I'd like to take a couple weeks off he said you're low man on the roster you know you'd be the first guy laid off well fall of the year hot roof and slows way down so he said yeah Bob go ahead and take if you want to kind of take a couple weeks off well I when I took Roger down there I assumed that it would just be like the 15th of October I'd be hitting back well we 
road miles and miles and miles and miles just and so then uh, uh, on the 18th was my 36th birthday down there so I said you know I'm gonna head back to Yakima Roger and he said well Ebob can you come back down in November before Thanksgiving and pick me up and I said no this truck was pretty hungry on gas it was just a, a six uh, a, that small engine and a, and a four-speed so I said, no, I, I said, Roger, if I leave you down here, you're going to have to come back on your own and get somebody to haul your horse back out because I, I'm not, I, I can't afford to make that trip back down with the fuel consumption. So he said, well, yeah, I said, by golly, then uh, let's, let's go out today and take the pack horse and we'll go way on back about 25, 30 miles further back than we had ridden in about a week. And see, this was the 20th day of October. And so we left out that sunshiny afternoon right after lunch and uh, uh, with this little pack horse loaded down with gear, you know, that we were going to stay all night. We were going back, to go back home and stay. Uh, we were going to stay that night and the next night, and I was going to head on back to Yakima. And so we rode up. We had been up this creek bed before quite a few different times because it was kind of a route that we took out to go and go on out to where we were going every day when we planned our trip because we usually made a big loop around and come back at night, you know. And, you know, in October, it gets dark about 5 o'clock in the evening, so we usually got back in time to get the horses fed and taken care of. So this time, that particular day, like I said, sunshiny, but all the fall leaves are turning, you know, yellow, red, beautiful colors, the maples and the and uh, whatever is in the mountains down there. And so uh, Roger's taking pictures of the scenery and all of this with his camera. He's riding out in front of me on his little horse. And here I'm coming along with a big horse, a uh, big roping horse and pulling the pack horse, the little pack horse. And so uh, we just going along there, happy as two fat boys in the wall, you know. And uh, so, about three and a half miles from the, or from where we were camped, come around this. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been down there last, but uh, uh, in 63, 64, they had a lot of flooding area down there, and the debris, the debris and stuff come down out of the mountains and lodged up in this narrow channel with logs and so forth, so they build up the dirt and the soil back of that uh, and uh, build up quite a a, a pile of, or it wasn't a pile, it was flat, but it washed down. And the log jam that jammed up in that area had backed up all that debris. So we just come around what was a, uh, a big downfall root system of a big tree, and it was about eight, ten feet up. So the creek had to reroute, come around that, and then come back down. So we come up the creek, Roger in front of me, come around this big downfall tree and the creature was standing just about 30 or 40 feet on the uh, on the other side of the creek and that's when this whole thing happened you know and Roger was in front of me so he's scrambling his horses jumping around I used to say blowing up and I had to quit saying that because they said well how many pieces did it blow up in so I, I say well it's got to acting up you know you got to be a little careful with the words you use because the cowboy words don't always set good with public. I mean, they don't understand what you're talking about. 
that's why I don't say breaking horses anymore. I say training them so other people can ride them. You know, in the old, I can't the old figure that out. You then you I just don't. You don't break them. You teach them. And so that's Thanks, what happened there. And then Roger bails off. Uh, the best yeah. he could is getting his camera out of this saddlebag that he had a camera in. So are you saying that the, uh, the creature itself was what was responsible for the horse? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we were just riding along, Roger riding in front of me. And so, you know, this has all happened fast, fast, fast. So uh, I don't know whether the pack horse jerked free from me or I just threw it away, threw it away. I don't remember, never did remember. And because I was keeping my horse under control, older horse, more seasoned horse. Well, it's actual rope horse, but was a roping horse. And so uh, here Roger is scrambling and he starts running across the creek. The creek was only about that deep. And uh, probably at the most at that wide spot was 20 foot across and so Roger's running across the creek trying to get focus and, and this creature and I'm going to call it she now because now I know what it was because at that time it didn't I didn't know the difference you know what one was supposed to look like but my first thought was yeah these things really do exist and so it started to lead just what, what you've seen you've probably seen that film footage okay you can see where she just starts to walk away and then Roger runs across the creek, and there's a little raise in the side of the sandbar there uh, from where the creek uh, had been earlier in the spring and then receded and folded. So anyway, and he stumbled and fell down like that. And so then he jumps up and runs over to a log and sets down on, or gets his elbows down on the log and starts stabilizing himself to get a better picture. And that's why at the beginning of that film, you'll see a lot of uh, static and a lot of him running and stuff. And so, um, I won't jump ahead of what I was going to say, but anyway, so then uh, I'm still sitting over here holding, you know, controlling my horse on the same side we're on. His horse took off running back down where we came from and so did the pack horse. Mm. Well, then I was just there and Roger uh, yells at me, Bob, can you cover me? Well, she was going way up around, kind of like in a bowl, not in a real bowl, but kind of like that. And I thought, well, I can't do anything right here where I'm sitting. So I rode across the creek, and I stepped down off the horse because I knew if, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I see this huge thing out there, and I thought, well, what if it comes back? I had a rifle, F-30-06 rifle in the saddle scabbard. I pulled that rifle out as I'm stepping off, and I just held it. And I always, you know, I hunted on horses, so I knew exactly, and I always had a deal in the back of my belt here to hook that lead rope to. So when I stepped down, that horse is not gonna leave me there. And so I just stepped off, took the rifle, and I stood there not knowing what to expect, whether um, it was gonna come back or not. As long as she kept walking away, I just stood there and watched it. Well, then uh, she got quite a little ways up there, and I it was almost it was almost getting out of sight, and and I, I said, well, uh, Roger, I want to follow her because I wanted to see it again because I, I I thought there I I see this thing walking slow, but it's making it cover a lot of ground quickly, and uh, it was kept moving away from us all the time, and so he said, I ran out of film. 
said, don't, he said, don't leave me here. You know, and then he tells me later why, because the, the three different sizes of tracks down there, and he thought that the other two might be right there. And that's what he tells me. Well, I wasn't thinking about the other two or nothing. I just wanted to see this thing again to make sure, you know, to make sure I knew what I was seeing, because you know, I still didn't understand. Uh, I understood, but uh, it's kind of like, is this really happening? And so then I stayed there, and we caught his horse back up, and we, I don't even think we mastered the pack horse at all. We may have caught it and tied it up. And then he gets the, uh, the film out of his saddlebags, he gets underneath the poncho and gets it all. So then he said, well, now we, we'll go, go the way it went up to the draw because it was kind of a mountain range you come this way and when it come that way and another little creek coming in this side. And so uh, we went up there probably a quarter of a mile uh, and we could see the scuffs. By then uh, it was gravel alongside the creek. It wasn't sand any longer so we could see the scuffs in the gravel where it traveled. We get up there a ways and we get, uh, we seen a half a wood uh, footprint wet where it stepped in the creek and then stepped across and it, and it just stepped just on the edge of a rock. So there was half of a footprint there. And then it went right up through the cliffs and the rocks. And, and you know, I don't really, to this day, know what I was really thinking, except the fact that I wanted to see it again. So I said, well, you couldn't take a horse up through there because it was way too steep, but I was in great physical shape at that time. So I said, I'm gonna go up through there, Roger, and see if I can see, see the thing again. He said, no, 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 he said, we got to get back, and it's getting late. It was about 2.30 in the afternoon by then. Uh, because it gets dark down there, you know, for October, October 20th, and the end of October. So uh, we knew we had to go all the way back to base camp to get material for, for casting material. And uh, so he went back down to the base camp and got the casting material and come back and mix that. And then he wanted to take these pictures of everything.
300 fifty pounds because I was thinking about Wilt Chamberlain and those tall guys, you know, and I said, this thing was heavy muscle. But, you know, and they, they pretty soon, you know, these guys that knew what they were talking about said, oh, yeah, I had to weigh a lot more than that and this taller than that. Of course, you know what Bill Munz has come up with uh, as far as height? Seven foot four, three quarters by measuring all the different the foot and everything. But anyway, so, see, I made quite a few mistakes. Uh, early in the conversations with different people. Uh, we went to Canada in 78 and uh, talked to the Canadian people up there at the uh, Vancouver uh, College up there in the British Columbia. And so, uh, you know, you get these kind of deals, and like I was telling him, him earlier, you know, I did interviews for a long time less, and then I quit doing them because uh, we talked about that. I would do an interview, and they'd say, Bob, we'll send you a proof copy, and if there's anything in there you don't like, we'll change it. Well, you know, I wouldn't hear anything from them, wouldn't hear anything from them. And I'd read an article in the paper, and they'd say, Bob Gilman says this, Bob Gilman says that. It would be about accurate, about one-third of what I said. The rest of it less was off-beam. So I quit giving interviews, and guess what they started writing about me then? Bob Gimlin lives back in the mountains uh, and he won't give interviews so he must be hiding something from somebody well at first it upset me and I just I laughed a lot I thought hey I lived in the same place for the last 20 years worked on the same job in town um, but you know they write anything that would be a sellable item and so that's what that's what caused me to quit giving interviews <coughs> and so when I got to meet you and I'd heard a lot. I never did get to see your program. I don't get it on my television. So, uh, I'll send you down some DVDs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Um, see, I come at this from a different perspective. Yes. Um, I've had my strange experiences out there, uh, which which fueled my curiosity, but I've never seen anything. And um, so now, um, I've um, I've I've uh, you know come into this this arena of, of, of subject matter and meeting all the different characters, all the different players, you know, from Jeff Meldrum and John Bindernagel to, you know, now Derek Randalls and, and um, Todd Neese and all these different people. Yeah. And it's, it's a very um, emotionally charged subject matter. I can understand that. People really... Their version, exactly of what what it is, and what I am is is really um, other than a, a man with a keen interest is uh, is I'm a, I'm a documentarian, I'm a documentary filmmaker. Now in this day and age, um, a lot of the shows on television are are a, a lot of crap, and they, and they they all do exactly what you just described. They don't stay true to the story at all. They make it up the way they want to make it up. And, I mean, even even series that are, that are devoted to Bigfoot, mm-hmm. they need to produce. I'm aware of that. Right? They've got to make that show. And then they got to turn around next week and make another one. Mm-hmm. And then another one. And so they need to make things happen. And I'm not like that. I've never been like that. Um, I'm the master of my own domain. I'm the master of my own filmmaking. Nobody yeah. holds me stuff. Nobody tells me what to do. Good. So I tell it like it is. Yeah. And um, good or bad.
bunch of men all up on a panel, and a few little debates happened, but for the most part, um, you can see there was different opinions. I, I'm just asking outright, what do you think it is? An ape that walks upright, an ape that's, you know, blended with a human, um, an alien, um, a special spirit being, I mean, what do you think it is? Bless up. That is a ongoing question in my mind because a fellow calls me from down in Oregon and uh, he's got a whole different version of all of these people. So uh, I'm not in the middle of the road. I'm just kind of floating here on this. When I saw this creature and it looked so human-like, uh, the way it moved and walked and, and everything, I thought, well, it's got to be a cross between some kind of a primate and, and a human. Um, you know, with the agility that it went through the area that was uneven and stuff, and no, not even, nothing, just smooth. So, but then, you know, there's been so many things and questions for the last 47 years presented to me that it, it, it leaves a question mark all the way around. So now I'm thinking, what can they really be? The guy down in Oregon said they were put here to protect human beings thousands of years ago. They will remove them. They're starting to remove them from the ships. He talks about the ships are starting to remove these Bigfoot off planet Earth and put them back on the planet that they came from. Starships. Yeah, same thing. And people say aliens. He said there is no such thing as aliens. He said they're people from other planets. They are people, humans, not exactly like us, or you know, because we're come up from a lot of different things, uh, supposedly. So anyway, that's kind of where that is, where I'm at with this list. I'm, I'm there right at that question, and, and I listen to all of these things. Of course, Dr. Meldrum is a close friend of mine, so Dr. Ben and Echo, they're all good friends of mine. So I take what they have to say and listen very closely, and I've listened to on my head sounds and stuff, and I've heard a few sounds myself, and I've had very little other contact other than our film, some, but I never talked much about it because they talked about the disappearing thing yesterday. Well, that may have happened to me, and I wasn't, I, I knew what was happening, but I didn't really know what's happening. But anyway, and uh, they say they can disappear like smoke. Well, that may be true, and there's got to be reasons for that. So I don't know, and I'm, uh, I'm not a science, of course. Uh, I'm a cowboy, or I'm a wrong driver. What do you think of, um, this is more on, on the human side of things, what do you think about the fact that Everybody has this different perspective, and they're all squabbling. I don't like that. I think that uh, that somebody should have hit a level between all of this different opinions, and uh, because anytime there's opposition, there's no gain. You see, that's the way I feel. You know, and I yep, I like to meet things head on. And if somebody has some really concrete or solid evidence, I'll say solid evidence, if it's different from what I'm thinking, I'll go with the ones that's got the solid evidence. 
you know what, this is, I'm, I'm, this is not to blow smoke up your ass at all, but no. I mean, um, the truth of the matter is, my birthday is October 20th. Oh, really? Yeah, that's my birthday. <laughs> well, October 18th. So yes, I'm 18. And everything you're saying is, this is the way I speak to it. This is the way I need to do This is beat things head on. Yep. Don't give me no bullshit. Right. If you that say you saw, you know, a starship come out of the sky and pick up this, okay, right? You know, tell me about it or show me. Yeah. And if you say that, you know, look, it's, it's a beat and nothing more, okay, great. Show me, show me, show me, you know, show me the end. That's the way I've approached all of my filmmaking. And I, it's ticking some people off. They're all trying now to, now I'm getting the whispers in the ear like, oh, you don't want to talk to him. You don't want to talk to her. You don't want to talk to them. You know, they've got the wrong idea. They come over here. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to every camp. I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll be crucified as a result, I suppose. But maybe this. I don't know. That's just the way I feel. See, and I was crucified earlier, early. And uh, I'll go through this right quick. Like, you know, I went through 35 years of, of, of bad really really bad stuff and then I, I regrouped uh, Dr. Uh, or Dr. Benitra, uh, Dimitra Benhoff came from Russia to meet me he invited me to come to Russia well I couldn't go to Russia I was working and so he came to the US to meet me and go and they were putting on a conference in Willow Creek California Al Hudson was manning or coordinating this and so I went down there and the reception was I couldn't actually believe reception I got out there so that changed things for me all the way around I met it as it was presented to me through these people and from then on I went ahead and made these conferences just like I made this one here and uh, not that I'm anything special or anything different I was just there with Roger when the film was done so I, I'm also still getting from the other side of the fence that that's still yet that hate What's wrong with this guy? And uh, But the 250 or 300 people that I met down there, they were interested in the subject. They believed in what I, what I was presenting there as the film is authentic, it's real, it's not a man in a, in a suit. And so that got me going again with all of these things that I come to. And I, I go to a few. I used to go to quite a few, but then I hate flying. I mean, I love to fly, but I don't like the terminals. And so uh, I'm still a kind of a dinosaur when it comes to modern things. Less, I don't understand all of this stuff. And to have to check everything in with computers and stuff, I, I, I'm like, throw my saddle in the back of the pickup and let's go. Uh, you know, and so well, there... Actually, I heard a joke recently where a guy was talking about, you know, you can, you can whip through the air at 30,000 feet, you know, 500 miles an hour, this big, huge metal tube. You know, it's like the newest space age thing. And the minute you get on the ground and you're standing at the gate, it's like it's 1932 and you're in Istanbul. It's just like, <laughs> hey. they can't connect. It's very frustrating. Yeah, it's very. We live with this. Yeah, I know you guys do, see. And I, I, I just don't like it. That's why I don't fly much anymore. Well, I, I think I think the thing about you visiting these places, going to these conferences, mm-hmm. is, look, look, the brass tacks of you is really simple. Either, um, we won't even bring into this memory. Let's just keep memory out of it for now. Yeah. Either uh, you're completely telling the truth and you're relating the story that happened, or you're fabricating it and you're not. It's one or the other. It, exactly. Simple, yeah. You know. And so what I like to do to do is say, well, if it's fabricated, then whatever. But if he's telling the truth, 
Then holy shit. <laughs> yeah. It's a big deal. Well, see. You know, it's as simple as that. Yeah, it is simple as. And the people that say me that say to me, do they exist? I said, well, I know one exists. And uh, I'm not trying to convince you that there's more than one, and I'm really not trying to convince you there's one. I said, I know there's one. And you look at the film footage and make your own decisions. Make your own judgment of what you see in that film. If you think it's a fake, brand it that. If you don't, put an okay on it. That's the deal now. I'm going to keep charging on uh, with uh, my research into this. As I said, unlike a lot of the other TV programs, I don't have to make a TV show. I'm out there trying to film what's happening. Yeah. It's a difference. A big difference. Yeah. I'm going to keep that up. I wanted to, obviously, I wanted to hear your story, your personal story. It's really wonderful to get it. Yeah, well, you know, that's a good avenue to 
countless questions, you know, and so until some of those are answered correctly, the right way, we're never going to know. Okay, so that was it. Um, Survivor Man, Bigfoot with Bob Gimlin, Les Stroud. I was trying to find the one where Bob Gimlin had um, Wes and a couple other people all together in a camp, and they were all going to go on a um, expedition to find Bigfoot once and for all. And um, the next thing they know, a trooper pulls up, four of them, and they said, you know, um, make a line with your hands down, and they patted them down, show me your IDs, um, they got fined, and all this other stuff. So I wanted to um, show that one to you because if you think that the government doesn't know about Bigfoot, then you're wrong. <laughs> they, they know a lot about it. And I'm sorry I can't show that to you, but I don't have it. I couldn't find it. Probably won't be able to find it if I go back into... Wes's information, I'll get dinged. He'll give me an, um, I'll get an X for sure. So I'm not going to go back into his stuff. I can't afford to do that, so I won't do it. But I hope you enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I did find, um, a couple pieces of information on the SSP and I wanted to try to find where I heard that they had black goo put into them um, because that pertains to what happened yesterday. I'm trying to move all of this stuff into a cohesive package and say okay well this is what happened. This is the big picture. But it's really hard to do. Because it's like, dig, 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 dig. And I won't stop digging. I'm sort of that way. You know, I, I, I don't mind, you know, looking around trying to find something. So I'm going to play the first one that I found on the SSP. And then I'll do the other one. Oh what I gotta do. I gotta update these things. Let me see how much memory I have left. Oops, that's right. That was around passcode. Let's see. Mm -mm 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 -mm. <laughs> oh, goody. Forgetting my passwords today. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Okay, I might have to up. 
update that one. That was the Bob Gimlin one. I don't know why this isn't set up right, but I keep fixing it from time to time, so we'll see. Maybe someday they'll get it fixed. I just work around everything. <laughs> Cause I know how 